welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And again, I'm sliding into first, <laughs> so I got here just in the nick of time. Yeah, I think it was like five seconds before I went on air, I come sliding in. We were we were going to have a show this morning, and uh, they had technical difficulties, and so therefore we uh, ended up, they put on a recording allowed me to go out to the field and get some work done and so now I'm back and uh, so we're going to cover some of the same topics that I was going to talk about this morning and so usually we start off with what's going on in the news at this particular time and uh, one of the things that was going on this week was uh, Mueller went and uh, testified in front of Congress I only saw little bits of it uh, you know pieces uh here and there i guess it was six more than six hours of testimony but what i saw brought one word to mind wow wow (laughs) i could not believe it uh i heard an fbi agent saying that this is the most dangerous time in the history of america because there's such a uh, violation of due process and of uh, standards and uh, there's such a double standard on everything that uh, which way uh, the government may go and the power that is now resting with the government is unbelievable. I actually saw a movie just recently uh, called Vice. It's uh, uh, about uh, former... Uh, vice president of the United States and uh, and there were other people in it there was Dick Cheney and uh, Rumsfeld and all this stuff and a remarkable acting although not 100% accurate I'm sure I actually have some first hand knowledge of uh, some of the people in uh, Dick Cheney uh, entourage of uh, people that he knows uh, I knew you know I actually met uh, George Bush when he was a boy and uh, my father knew George Bush Sr. and uh, we knew a lot of the people behind the scenes, uh, Texas politicians and Texas uh, millionaires who were manipulating things from behind the scenes and, and also I know people that you know were training for the Gulf War before Saddam Hussein was even invading Kuwait. Many of these things are just available if you put the pieces together in the actual news. But the news media is not putting them together. For instance, uh, the reason Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait was because of the fact that they were drilling into Iraqi oil fields. In order to do that, they needed what is called side drilling equipment, where you can drill down and actually turn an angle and go off into another oil field. And they actually have done this in North Dakota, and they've actually had the drill bit coming up half a mile away in another location, or at least a good distance away, because they can actually curve these. And they do it where it's difficult uh, to drill right over the top, you want to drill over to the side, uh, you know, put the oil rig in a safe place, and then you drill at an angle to get oil that may be under a lake or something. 
But in order to sell side drilling oil equipment abroad, you have to have approval of the State Department. And Kuwait applied for drilling equipment to side drill. Well, Kuwait's a little tiny place. Kuwait was founded by the English in order to have a harbor to ship their oil. And they wanted to control that harbor. And so they had treaties with Great Britain. And it used to be a part of Iraq. Kuwait was a part of Iraq until the British took it away in a military operation where they used poison gas and a lot of other uh, tactics that would be considered, you know, um, war crimes. But they got it. And they started Kuwait, and Kuwait was doing fine, but then it ordered this side-drilling oil equipment. And the State Department approved it, and they started drilling into Iraqi oil fields. And Iraq went to the, uh, the United States, it went to the United Nations, and it, uh, to the World Court, and it complained that they're stealing our oil. They're drilling into our oil fields. They don't have a right to do that. They're drilling across our border. And uh, then uh, they were going to do something about it. They were going to stop them. They were going to invade the country to stop them. But they were afraid to because they were afraid that Great Britain or, or the United States would come to Kuwait's aid. And they wouldn't they wouldn't stop them from side drilling. And so, anyway, the uh, long story short is that uh, uh, Saddam Hussein went to the United States, asked uh, uh, Albright, does the United States have any interest in an Arab-to-Arab border dispute? Because this is what it was, a border dispute. And... Uh, she said, no, this is all a matter of record. This is just history. But you're not hearing this in the news. You didn't hear it at the time. You don't hear it now. There's probably been some books written about it, but I happen to know because of first-hand information of people involved. Schwarzkopf's father had planned an invasion of Iraq. Schwarzkopf planned an invasion of Iraq before Kuwait even bought the side drilling oil equipment. Uh, This uh, Cheney had a map dividing up the oil interests of Iraq. They wanted an excuse to go in. Before Cheney became vice president, he had been in government, very influential, and learned a lot of people and, and, and who you could trust and who you couldn't trust. And they got the goods on a lot of people and who to manipulate and how to do things and get things done in Washington. He worked for Halliburton. He was the CEO of Halliburton. When he quit to become the vice president, they gave him his severance pay of $23 million. What's that for? Uh, That's because they were expecting favors. Halliburton survives on government contracts. They had a government contract out here where they uh, put in backscatter. And own the property. And then they supposedly resold it. I can't remember. Because they, they created a backscatter. And it was obsolete you know, equipment by the time they put it in. And so they shut it down supposedly right away. But anyway. Uh, so somebody made millions and millions of dollars on that. Halliburton made billions of dollars in Iraq. So the $23 million was a cheap investment. 
These are bribes. This is what's going on. And here they make this movie like we're supposed to think that somebody's doing something. Uh, and Mueller, now I don't know that he's taking bribes, but uh, he's either delusional or he has become mentally impaired. Uh, he is become senile or something. He needs to be in a home. But uh, it was a disastrous thing. But why am I even talking about this? Because I'm normally giving you the keys to the kingdom. Well, sometimes it's easier to understand what the keys are if you understand what you're doing instead of seeking the kingdom. You're, you know, one of the things, everybody's looking, not everybody, but those people who support Donald Trump are looking to Donald Trump as their savior, as their sator to make America great again. That is setting you up for a tyrant, whether it be Trump or somebody else. It will be somebody else. Somebody will come along. You keep looking to men to solve the problem. That's not what the kingdom is all about. Kingdom is about you taking back your responsibility and with that taking back responsibility, you get your rights back. You don't take your responsibility back you don't get your rights back. You don't file papers. You don't become the belligerent claimant in person. You take your responsibilities back to yourself, for your family, and for your community. Take it back into your hands and you operate in what we would call a free society according to the perfect law of liberty. Genesis 6.11 says the earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. His way. What was God's way upon the earth? When John the Baptist came preaching the kingdom of God at hand, it says that the world was trying to establish the kingdom of God by force, by violence. It it translates the words a little different in different uh, Gospels. But two Gospels at least talk about everybody else was doing it by force and violence. But the kingdom of God is not supported by force and violence. It's supported by free will offerings, by personal sacrifice, choice. That's people taking back their responsibilities. That's what was happening before the flood back in Genesis 6, is that they were using force. Nimrod was a mighty provider instead of the Lord. He was using force to extract what he needed to do what he wanted. Supposedly for the good of the people. You people are still, after thousands of years, you're still falling for the same story. Power corrupts. Exodus 8.24 And the Lord did so. And there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of the Pharaoh and into his servant's house and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies. Now there's talk in a prophecy about sending a swarm of flies first. 
And, you know, I've actually, there's an article up I wrote years ago somewhere on the net. You know, I should look and see if it's still available. But uh, I talk about bees and flies. And you know that something's happening when you have these bees and flies. Well, it's a metaphor. Now, there could be actual swarms of bees and flies, but it's also a metaphor for something else. Exodus 32, 7, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. What did they do? They built a golden calf. What was a golden calf? And we have a whole article on that. You can go read it. Golden calf was a central bank. The golden statues in Athens and many of the other city-states had these golden statues and they were called reserve funds. It was a centralizing of wealth. When you centralize wealth, you centralize power. One of the things that Dick Cheney clearly was doing was creating more power in the office of vice president and creating more power in the offices of the government. He had this idea of uh, the executive, this unbridled executive power. And it was very dangerous. Christ was doing the reverse. He was taking the power that he could have used and giving it away and letting it go. This is the temptations. We have an article up on the three temptations of Christ. What were those temptations? Turning stones into bread. Stones is a metaphor for friends of the altar. The actual gathering of stones is a gathering of friends. So turning the stones of the altar into bread for himself, to enrich himself. That's what was going on in Judea at the time. If you knew your history, if your preachers were reporting your history, but your preachers aren't telling you the truth. The news people aren't telling you the truth. And you don't understand what's going on. You need to understand what the gospel is really talking about. But uh, So the golden calf... Uh, was a central bank, centralizing power. In Leviticus 22.25, we say, Neither from strangers' hands shall ye offer the bread of your God of any of these, because their corruption is in them, and blemishes be in them. They shall not be accepted for you. You do not provide free bread for the needy of your society, by that violence, by that force that we saw in Genesis 6.11, and we see in the Gospels talking about John the Baptist. He says, everybody's doing it by force, but I say, do it by charity. You know, if you have an extra coat, you share. If you have extra food, you share. And in some cases, people even shared what they did not have extra. They they went without just so they could share. And Christ praised that. How do you take care of the needy of your society today? Do you do it through pure religion, unspotted by the world? Or you do you do it through the power of the world who forces the contributions of your neighbors so that you can have benefits today? And borrows money against the future of your children. Makes your children a surety for that debt. 
uh, curse the children with that debt. See, that's what you're doing. John Eldridge is part of the uh, that Luke was it Luke ten uh, movement, which is a home church movement. Uh, you know, when you're reading certain quotes from his book Wild at Heart, he goes into great depth on this subject in walking with God. So, are you walking with God? If you read John sixteen twelve. It says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. I can tell you things that are true. I can tell you about Dick Cheney. I can tell you about George Bush, senior and junior, things that they did behind the scenes that most people don't know. Schwarzkopf. And, you know, dividing up Iraq because it was, it was going to be billions and billions of dollars. I mean, what the Bushes walked away with, the vast fortune that they walked away with is unbelievable. And they have ways of hiding it. You know, just like we've been talking about Article 2, Section 22 in the Oregon Constitution says that nobody running for office, candidate, win or lose, is allowed to take more than 10% of his contributions from outside of the district or state in which he's running. 75 to 80% of all the congressmen have violated that in Oregon, according to information I received last night from people working on that. People in Oregon want to work on that project. I'll put them in touch with other people that want to work on that project. Because they could literally remove all those senators, congressmen, governor, governors, uh, broke the rules by at least five million dollars. And, uh, this should be an easy case to win if it's not a setup case like the, the case that, that, uh, challenged actually did not challenge Article 2, Section 22. It simply asked for a summary judgment for a guy who said that barring him from giving $100 was a violation of his freedom of of speech. And that's why they picked $100, because you could maybe make an argument for that with $100. But that isn't the object of Article 2, Section 22, some individual giving $100. The object is uh, the millions of dollars that are bribing, openly bribing and influencing congressmen. I'll talk more about that later. Just as an example, so you can see the corruption. John eight forty seven. He who belongs to God hears what God says. This is the thing, is that if you really belong to God, if you're really following the way of God, sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, taking back your responsibility, taking care of one another, loving one another by free will offerings according to the perfect law of liberty, the way we were intended even before the flood, in the early days of Israel, Those altars were not piles of stone. They were men who gathered 
as friends to provide the social welfare of your society through free will offerings. Every other government does it through forced offerings. That produces a certain result. And Polybius made it really clear 150 years before Christ. And I can give you all kinds of other quotes to show you who does what and why it is that way. But back to John Eldridge, he talks about the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him. Because they know his voice. And he says, I am the good shepherd. John 10, um, verses 2 through 11. You don't just leave sheep to find their own way. I have sheep right across the road. We're going to take them out on the desert tomorrow. And they will, they know the way. They, they will, I will open the gate and they will run to go. Because they know where they're headed. Because we, we've gone through this before. And then we will walk out across the desert. And normally, I mean, we don't even have fences all the way around the property. And, and they stay there. Occasionally, sometimes they'll come back here. But, <laughs> but anyway, I have meetings next week concerning church property. And if you're in the network, you might eventually find out the results of those meetings. But uh, I know sheep. I know the Bible. I know the way. And most of these Christians are not doing it. If if 50% of your social welfare is taken care of by governments who exercise authorities, you know, that that is contrary to the way of Christ. As a matter of fact, 100% should be done through free will offerings and none through the governments of the world who exercise authority. This is why Christ said, you're not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. It is not to be that way with you. But it is that way with 90% of the churches including John Eldridge and the home church groups. But the and that's bad enough, but what it leads to, by depending on those governments of force to provide you with benefits, by either borrowing money against the future, which is what the United States and 90% of the countries in the world, maybe all of them, are doing. They're borrowing against the future. And it, it makes you a surety for debt, and your children a surety for debt, and it curses your children with that debt. And it makes you merchandise. Because your labor is now owed to pay that debt. And you say you love Jesus, but you're not doing what Jesus said to do. Because he said not to do that, but that's what you're doing. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. And that gate, that doorway is Christ. So entering the doorway, you have to do what Christ said, which you have to love your neighbor as yourself. That's not a feeling love. That's an actual charity love. Because the same word that's translated into love is also translated into charity. 
And the people have gone astray from the way of Christ. They are not taking care of one another. You know, we have some people who gather together in congregations, but they don't get that. They don't gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands as Christ commanded. There's another thing. Christ commanded that his disciples make the people gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. If you don't believe me, then, and your pastor doesn't know where he said that, then you need another pastor because Christ said that. That's how the early church was organized. He goes on to say, and no shepherd could be called good unless personally guided his flock through danger. Well, there's a danger in going to men who exercise authority because you'll become merchandise and curse your children and become a surety for debt. Already happened. So how do you get back from that is you take back your responsibility and actually learn what Christ's love looks like. But that is precisely, he goes on to say, but that is precisely what he promises to do, to to guide the flock. And he sends shepherds, good shepherds, to tell you what that looks like. But unfortunately, most of the shepherds or ministers are out there tickling people's ears. They're not providing for the righteousness of the individual uh, who takes care of one another. He has everybody, you know, they build their churches or maybe the home churches don't build their churches, but they still go to men who exercise authority to systems that are bankrupt, have no money, and are borrowing every day. The debt is going up, skyrocketing, and they still go there for benefits because nobody's actually preaching the gospel of the king kingdom so anyway the like i said mueller and and i'm i'm jumping around here but i'm going to tie all these things together mueller either is lived in a bubble of hate and anger for you know where he thought you know that trump did all these bad things but that's you know adam shift he got wind of the fact that there were supposedly nude photos of Trump with a prostitute in Russia. It was pranksters who faked this. But they got a hold of him and he went to great lengths and efforts to get a copy of those pictures from Russians. And he had his staff working on that. And he's the one who's complaining that Trump supposedly... Uh, got information about Hillary and was going to use it. This is how they're saying that he he used the Russians. The Russians said they had the dirt on Hillary and supposedly he went to find it. The people who informed him that they had this dirt on Hillary met with the DNC the day before. The same ones who came to meet with Trump. They met with the DNC first the day before. And after they met with Trump... They met with the DNC the day after as well. It was a setup to begin with. They were setting up Trump. He didn't pay him any money for that information. He heard there was. He was curious about it, but he didn't. He didn't send out uh, feelers to have that information. 
Besides, most of the information was available to the FBI because she, you know, was all divulged in those servers. I mean, when she was found out about using this illegal server and they had been texting back and forth, they literally took a hammer to the Blackberries so you wouldn't find out what they were doing. That's obstruction of justice. Trump turned over millions of words and hundreds of documents at every request. There was no never a problem with him turning over stuff that people say, oh, they want to see his income tax. His income tax, you'd have to bring it in a, te- in a truck. If you're going to make the president turn over his income tax, his personal income tax from years before, then let's see Obama's. Let's see Biden's. Let's see the... You know, these other guys, uh, Chairman Cummings and all these guys. Let's see Dick Cheney's. You'll find out that these guys start out with very little money and end up being millionaires. Where are they getting all these millions and millions of dollars? And we've talked a little bit of showing you how they do it. And of course, you can see the movie and see how they, they make these favors and they get them done. You know, speaking of uh, Elijah Cummings, who happens to be the uh, House Oversight and Reform Chairman, he is amazing at times. Now, you know, I may find myself picking on Democrats more than I pick on Republicans, but the more power you give these guys, the more corrupt they will see if you are discerning. If you have right reason, and that's where we're going to go with this, to find out how you know... And really, it isn't reason, it's inspiration that you need. But when you're inspired, you may not see the rationale of that inspiration. But I, be, I, I know that that inspiration will be rational too. You don't, you, you don't need the reasoning to come to the inspiration. The inspiration will tell you, even if you don't have all the facts. But if once you have all the facts, you'll see, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. But, uh, you know, Elijah uh, Cummings, he said, I'm, I'm begging, I'm begging the American people to pay attention to what is going on. Because if you want to have a democracy intact for your children and your children's children and generations yet unborn, We have got to guard this moment. This is our watch. They are the ones who are destroying the democracy. And we'll show you how. And not that the Republicans wouldn't do the same if they were in power. They might do it a little bit different. But, you know, some of the conservative values are pretty good. But they still... They're socialists too, because they're not taking back the responsibility. Although there's talk about it, some talk about it. Right now, the Democratic Party is, seems to be very consolidated along a certain intellectual philosophy that is extremely dangerous. You know, Ronald Reagan once said, "Without God, there is no virtue, because there is no prompting of the conscience, and without God." Democracy will not and cannot long endure. If we ever forget that we are one nation under God, nation being people, not the government, the people, 
then we will be a nation gone under. You know, he also said, peace is more than just the absence of war. True peace is justice. True peace is freedom. And true peace dictates the recognition of human rights. When Cheney was orchestrating that there would be this war in Iraq and he'd be able to divide up Iraq to the oil companies and become this super rich multi, multi, multi billionaire or millionaire anyway. It's probably over a billion dollars in assets now. Uh, when he was setting that up, uh, people were dying. Thousands and thousands of people would die, both in Iraq and American soldiers, and and they're still dying. And and this was all a plotted, corrupt plan. And the Bushes were in on it, other people were in on it, and it, it's a bad deal. You you just don't know how far that corruption goes. The the average guy on the street. And I could pursue it and show you more and more. But that isn't the solution. The solution is you have to wake up to inspiration where you can see, you can hear these people. I always told the story when when uh, Bill Clinton was first running for office. And I hadn't even heard of him yet. I was working at... Uh, neighbor's house a old guy who's kind of crippled up and I was fixing his door and uh, he was in there watching the news and this somebody came on giving this speech I could not make out a single word he was saying but I said that man is speaking from evil and I I didn't know who it was I didn't know what his party was I didn't even know it was a candidate but I went and I said who is that speaking now, the average guy, they heard Bill Clinton. He's a very good speaker. You know, he can remember, he has the longest speeches, doesn't need a teleprompter, great mind. At least he did have one. <laughs> I don't know what kind of condition. I believe that he will eventually repent. And I've talked more about, you know, who his real father is and all those kinds of things. I think that he may yet repent, but he's not long for this world and on death's door, so it's hard to say what's going to happen. But uh, he may repent. And I hope he does. The same as I would hope people like Dick Cheney would repent, and all these other guys who've gone and been robbing people blind. But the reason they're robbing you blind is because you're willing to pray to men who exercise authority one over the other to have them force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. So you are going to go under a tyrant if you're willing to take a bite out of your neighbor instead of love your neighbor. Loving your neighbor is not a touchy-feely thing. It's where you actually take care of your neighbor. Now, you know, back to Mueller is that uh, you know, like one of the questions they asked him about Fusion GPS, he d- he was unfamiliar with Fusion GPS. They're the ones who paid for the original dossier, which appears to be completely a, a fraud, made up, bought by the Democrats. And And then the investigators, you need to prove that your investigators have no conflict of interest. 
his investigators, one after another, did have a conflict of interest, and he did not check that out. Was he already becoming... He knows better than that. And yet, he just completely ignored it and seems to still not... I'm not sure that he wasn't becoming senile back then. Functional senility. And other people just used him as a front because he had a good reputation at one time. But uh, they kept him in this bubble where he did not realize what was really going on. But do you realize what's really going on? That's what they do. You know, the churches are meant to keep you in a bubble of unrighteousness. Where is righteousness? Where are you taking care of one another through love? You're taking care of one another through force, if that. You know, Ronald Reagan said one time, we might come closer to balancing the budget if all of us lived closer to the commandments in the golden rule. Well, what commandment? Thou shalt not covet. If you want benefits from a government who forces your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, you're coveting your neighbor's goods. And and you should not be doing that. You know, Aristotle once said, in a democracy, the poor will have more power than the rich because there are more of them and the will of the majority is supreme. They did not advocate democracy. They knew it was dangerous. And and you'll I'll, I'll show you several other people who knew it was dangerous. Karl Marx liked democracy. You know, because he knew it led to socialism. Because once those majority think they can vote themselves more benefits, even though... Now, a Christian wouldn't vote himself benefits because he knows that's coveting his neighbor's goods. But there's a lot of people calling themselves Christians, but they're not going the way of Christ. They're back in what we saw back in Genesis. What was that? The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence, force. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way. His way is charity and giving, free will giving. But that isn't the way of modern Christians because modern Christians aren't doing what Christ said to do. You know, Albert Einstein said, the majority of the stupid is invincible and guaranteed for all time. The terror of the tyranny, however, is alleviated by their lack of consistency. Well, the fact is they're getting pretty consistent. Well, consistent uh, on their agenda. They, you know, that was one of the things, there were a number of people that were clearly on Trump's side during this investigation, and they made mistakes in their testimony. They were not, some of them were not even substantial. They they affected nothing with the investigation, but they were inaccurate in what they stated. It wasn't a cover-up or anything, they were just wrong in what they stated, but they that, that one of them actually corrected the statement the next day. Mueller corrected uh, some of the things that he said the next day. Are we should we arrest him? Well, see, this is uh, this is what's going on is that they're 
they went after these guys, some of them facing long jail sentences for immaterial errors in their testimony. But Fusion GPS and the guy who wrote the original dossier, nobody went and investigated them. They're not charged with anything. And they, evidently the original dossier was inaccurate. Not based on facts. Made up. So why, why is that, why didn't they check that out? Because they were in this bubble. Assuming they had a problem already. So, yeah, anyway, back to, uh, you know, I wrote it down here. It says, everybody get a pencil and paper. Write this down. Power corrupts. The more power you give government to provide you with more and more benefits, the more corrupt the government will come. If you create offices of power, men who seek power will seek office. Christ did not create offices of power. He said you're not to be like the governments of the Gentiles. He was preaching a government called the kingdom of God. But you are not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other. But they do. And that's what everybody's doing. But we're not supposed to do that. So we're doing another little circle. We'll go back. We're going to do another little circle uh, here and... And thinking to show you how thinking is become unvirtuous, inconsistent, or inconsistent, uh, double standards. Uh, you know, it's like a bunch of students uh, were upset that uh, a particular uh, attorney, I think it was Ronald Sullivan, had defended uh, Harvey Weinstein. And uh, he was also, he was a professor, but he's also a dean. At a particular university, and the kids, and I I say kids, the children, you know, said that they didn't feel safe with him because he had defended Harvey Weinstein. Well, there in the court systems of the United States, which is not what it used to be, used to be that you know the juries decided fact and law. Nowadays. Most of them do not, and most people don't even know what that means. You have to go read our article on that. Uh, juries that preparing you, and you might find out, because uh, I have links there to a series of letters and explain what jury nullification is. But most of the time, you don't have that power because you've waived it. You don't even know when you waived it. But you go read the articles, and you might figure it out. But uh, these students are all upset because this guy defended somebody who was pretty much a sleazebag. And they say they, they don't feel safe with him. What was he? He would defend you. You know, and the fat reason he took the case is nobody else would take the case. And then that, you know, it's part of, you know, being a law professor is to practice the law. And to take these high-profile cases, so you can write a story about it. Anyway, the uh, uh, same as uh, well, there was another guy, uh, Epstein. Uh, he had a lawyer who defended him, and now people are going after him. And boy, they may have bit off more than they can chew because this guy, uh, you know. Well, I'll just let you read the stories, but. He did not. He only defended the guy in court. 
And, you know, I've been, been in courtrooms. The first time I was in a court was probably 60 years ago. I've been in courts many, 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 many times, more times than I can count. Uh, read more law books, read more laws than most people have even seen. Uh, so I know how the courts work. I know how they used to work. I know the history of them. Because there are courts in the Bible. And you have to, that the courts of the world are a part of the context in which the Bible was written. So you need to understand how these things all work. Most people don't understand them. Which is why I've been able to write so many different articles and books and everything else. So that people can see how things work. Um, right reason. We, we've talked about right reason. What they call right reason is also defined as divine will. And if you look at the heuristic of God, God is this designer that is moving through creation and moving through the universe. And right reason is the correct connection of these thoughts in the real world that have to do with thinking clearly and thinking with the right reason. But what are the obstacles to thinking rationally, objectively, critical, what they call critical thinking? What's What's preventing us from doing it? You know, I I saw a video of uh, State Senator Elizabeth Steiner Hayward, who was the promoter of the bill that would uh, take away parental rights to decide for the medical treatment of their children, and uh, and they somebody pointed out the fact that she had uh, uh, she they pointed out the fact that she was taking a particular medication and the, her doctor recommended that uh, she didn't breastfeed while she took the medication. But she did anyway because she chose her own way of doing things. You know, the doctor said, no, you shouldn't. But supposedly she based that decision on the fact that she called up the guy who produced the original medication, the researcher who produced the medication. And he said it was okay that she took it. And so, the, she was criticizing somebody who brought that up because she said, my choice to do that was based on science. And so she's thinking that people who don't want vaccination that their desire not to have vaccination is not based on science. So she thinks she's really smart, but the reality is calling up the guy who produced a particular drug is not science. It's putting your faith into somebody who produced a drug for profit and is saying, yeah, go ahead and take the drug. That's not science. That's this respecting the opinion of somebody who knows something about the drug, but also benefits when you buy the drug. He could be biased. That's not science. Science is actually 
looking at studies that examined the drug and how it was used and it was there repercussions, understanding how what might be in the breast milk that would be passed on to the child. So, you know, having your breast milk tested. Because, you know, one woman eats something, her breast milk may contain that which she ate. Another woman eat the same thing, her breast milk may not contain that particular thing that she ate. Because everybody's body is different. This is, science would be to actually examine the breast milk from a hundred different women on that drug and a hundred different women that are not on that drug and see what the difference is. That's science. Calling up somebody and asking them, do you think it's okay? Yeah, I think it's okay. That's not science. That's just, you just ask somebody's opinion. Maybe he should know, but he might not know. He, he Was he a part of the testing? He was the inventor. He wasn't necessarily a part of the testing. So, the fact that she says that my decision was based on science, no, that's not science. Your decision was based on an opinion of somebody that you have put up on a pedestal as being accurate. They might not be accurate. So I don't know if you can follow that. But okay, let's take a look at critical thinking. And what's not critical thinking? Uh, Just a definition of critical thinking. Critical thinking means making reasoned judgment that are logical, well thought out. And what's well thought out? They've looked at all the different parameters, not just... You know, I didn't just call up somebody and ask them. I also looked at the studies. You know, if you call up a, your average doctor's office and you say, are vaccinations safe? They'll say, yeah. Call up the news media, are vaccinations safe? They'll say, yeah. That's a consensus of opinions, but all that is opinions. That isn't science. If I ask people on the street, did uh, vaccines... Eradicate polio. No. Did vaccines eradicate Spanish flu? No. We got immunity. Nobody invented a vaccine for Spanish flu, but it's gone. What happened to it? Everybody got exposed. Everybody got immune. Some people didn't get immune and they died. But now they are immune. Okay, so... What about polio? Most of the people who got the polio vaccine were already immune to the polio vaccine. And most of the cases that we see today that are polio cases are coming from not wild polio, but coming from the vaccine. People say, you can't get the polio from the vaccine. Yes, you can. Where's my source? CDC studies. Uh... John Salk, who invented the polio vaccine, he says in in the 70s, he said that all the polio cases since 1967, I think it was, were the result of the vaccine, not the wild polio. That's what he says. So that's the guy who invented it. He should know that's science. 
But the reality is, even if he didn't say that, there's been studies that show, yeah, that's the case. But if you're only going to accept certain facts, then you're not uh, well thought out. You're not thorough. So anyway, it is a way of thinking in which you don't simply accept all arguments and conclusions you are exposed to, but rather have an attitude involving questioning such arguments and conclusions. Mueller did not question GPS. He did not question the guy who wrote the original dossier. He did not go back and find out, well, this guy appears to be lying because this is inconsistent. He didn't do that. He didn't even know who GPS was, which were the people who financed this report. Who They were able to do that because they were hired by the DNC. He's unfamiliar with that. How could you be an investigator? He's not doing critical thinking. So anyway, there are several different things. This critical thinking is, like I say, it's a way of thinking that simply accepts all, does not accept all arguments and conclusions you are exposed to, but rather have an attitude involving questions, questioning of such arguments and conclusions. But there are five things that contribute or are attributes of critical thinking. Analytical. Part of critical thinking is the ability to carefully examine something, whether it is a problem a set of data or text. You have to look at all the data. You know, and that's one of the things we've shown with some of these people who make the studies. They remove any data that looks like this, any data that looks like that. And sometimes there is that as a part of a logical process. But if you remove too much data, you're going to get the wrong answer. It's not critical anymore. You didn't look at the pertinent facts. Number two, communication. Often you will need to share your conclusions with your employer or with a group of colleagues. Why? Because they may see something you're not seeing. They can challenge you on something that you may be missing. So you have to communicate the idea. This is, uh, you kind of look at that elephant from different directions. Also, critical thinking has to be creative. There's a creativity in critical thinking. Where you're willing to look at not just the obvious parameters, but you want to walk all the way around the subject. Which is part of number four, which is, being open-minded. You're willing to examine things with an open mind. And you have a certain problem-solving skills. Now, this is something, you know, people ask me, how come you know how to do so many different things? Well, I, I'm trying to solve problems. Trying to find solutions with limited resources a lot of times. And uh, sometimes God offers me more than you know than than I was 
counting on and and I'm able to fix them. Like I I had a, a problem with a piece of machinery, and we fixed it once, and we used a wire welder to fill in this keyway, and then we cut another key, and we did not cut it as exact as we probably should have, but the wire welder steel did not have the tensile strength that we needed, and it ended up breaking the key all up. I got a bunch of pictures of it. And, uh, you know, it rolled it and, and it didn't work and the machine fell apart. So here I am again. I had to take it. So now I welded it, but I, I took an arc welder instead of the wire welder and I filled it in. I tried to find some higher tensile strength rod, just the rod that I had available. And I did use some of that, but I wasn't very good. The higher the tensile strength, the harder it was to weld with. And I have an old, helmet you can't hardly see through anymore and so it was quite the chore but i i ordered another helmet but i didn't have it so we're so far away from everybody i have to do with what i got filled in the keyway and i set up a jig to cut the keyway it's slightly bigger than a quarter inch and then i came back and just artistically finished out the keyway until the key would just barely fit in put it in the welded assembly and pounded it into place and been mowing all day and it's working the point is is i had to be very creative because i did not have everything that i needed uh i'm i need better rod and i'm still looking for the right kind of rod if it comes apart again i'm going to have to fix it again <laughs> but uh, i may need a higher tensile strength rod than the one that i used but this is when I was talking to my son who couldn't come up and help me with this because he was busy, uh, he, you know, he was saying, well, of course, he's, he mentioned my helmet was a terrible helmet and all this kind of stuff, but he gave me some hints on higher tensile strength rod. But the key thing was cutting that keyway by hand. If you took it to a machine shop, a machine shop could just cut that groove just perfect. I don't have a machine shop, so I had to be creative. So, anyway, but you have to be critical and thinking, well, if I only do this, then this won't work. And if I only do that, then that may not work. So you have to be able to criticize yourself. Go back to Muller. He, you know, he goes after everybody who testifies in favor of Trump. And they make some minor errors that had no really effect on anything and he prosecutes them to the full extent of the law but the people who tell him what he wants to hear he doesn't even investigate them he doesn't even know who hired them there's somebody who hired them it's actually in the news he doesn't even know like i say either he's senile or he's been in this bubble but just any kind of a decent investigator would look that up and I'm not convinced that he was not picked because he was, they could manipulate him because he's operating with a diminished capacity. Because just, just listening to him, I'm, I'm thinking this guy is losing it. I mean, it may be just old age, but he's losing it. But I can tell you this, hate will cause you to lose it even quicker. You do not want to hate. It will degrade you. It will take away right reason you cannot get right reason comes from your connection 
to the mind of Christ. We, we That's a phrase that you see. The mind of God. The mind of Christ. Right reason. The, is the divine will. To obtain right reason, you have to be virtuous. The less virtuous you are, the more likely you will stray from right reason. You will not see the train coming. You will not hear the disaster that is befalling you. You Sight will be taken away. Jesus says, I didn't just come to give sight to the blind, but take away sight from those who say they see and don't. The Pharisees did not want to see the truth about Christ, and so they didn't see the truth about the army of Titus going to destroy them. They couldn't see the danger coming. You know, what, who's the greatest destroyers of freedom or liberty? Is the one who bestows amongst the people gifts, gratuities, and benefits. What did, that's Plutarch. What, what did Polybius say? If you come, become accustomed to living at the expense of others, it will alter you. You'll become a savage. You'll become blind and you will usher in a dictator. So, you know, when I look out in the world today, you see Democrats, you see Republicans. Democrats want lots and lots of benefits at the expense of their neighbor. Republicans only want some benefits at the expense of their neighbor. Christians don't want any benefits at the expense of their neighbor. They will only take benefits based on free will offerings. If we take the church property here and we develop a convalescent home on it, or maybe a health house, because that's we're commanded that we want you to be of health. You come out for a week, two weeks, and you go on a special diet. And you learn to eat differently. And you take critical look at your health. Why are you having this problem? Why are you having that problem? And you just explore it. And we explore it with you. And we can even... You know, tap into some medical doctors to get tests, although there's ways to get those tests without necessarily going through medical doctors. Uh, and I think, I believe that there's actually economical ways to do it, which we could implement. And we've done a lot of study on this. And those tests will tell you what, what you're missing in your diet, maybe, or maybe in your life. And so you need to eat this or more of that. And it, it may be different with everybody. Because we're not all the same. And so there are things you can do to overcome everything from depression to, uh, you know, other health issues, diabetes. All these things can be affected by what you eat. And that would fall right into line with seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness because you would be taking back in one area of your life responsibility for your health. By changing the way you eat, changing the way you sleep, changing the way you apply yourself in life. And so when you do it in that area, it will open up doors in other areas. You will begin to think more clearly. And also you will, in the humbling experience, is very important to critical thinking is that you be willing, you have that open mind willing to Take a look at maybe this is my fault. That will make a difference. So, 
once you're open-minded and creative and communicate with others and listen to others, you confess. I mean, this is what you put people in what they call a group. And each one tells their problem. They confess their problem. And other people can talk about it. And sometimes you say, well, I, I think this is a problem or I think this is a problem. You find out, oh my gosh. The guy says, well, how about this? And you well, I never thought of that. Why, why didn't you ever think of it? To me, it was obvious. But a lot of times we can't see our real problem. We think our problem is our ex-wife or whatever. And our real problem is us. Because of the way in which we related to our ex-wife and maybe a lot of other people. Or our ex-husband. And so, but that's that critical thinking. Being willing to have an open mind about what's in your mind. You know, I know a guy who's got diabetes and he does not take care, eats junk food all the time doesn't want to change any of his eating habits he's already lost his legs they've been cut off i really should go to another commercial break so i'll go to that commercial break right now so welcome back uh so if we were to start this combination well like young people a lot of times well young girls sometimes get themselves in trouble and they want to have an abortion well maybe they need to go somewhere and have that child and uh, they don't have any skills they don't have any family skills well they may need to be somewhere where they can learn those skills uh, prepare for the child have the child and then go and get work and they need help and so it was always my intention my hope of uh, and we've done this with uh, people who've needed help we put them with other families but to put them in a family type situation. So you don't just have a convalescent home with a bunch of old people, but you have, you know, uh, people that need help, maybe assisted living, maybe uh, interim care, uh, maybe they've come to reorganize the way in which they eat and live their life and, and with better health practices. Uh, you know, we've seen reversal of health going down held down held downhill we actually go into the home and show the people and they try different things and then their health comes back and they get better and we're not trading them we're just helping them helping them open their own minds to what might be their problem we don't we don't bar them from going to doctors or anything but we show there are other alternatives and i can give you dozens of different examples but what it is, is that communication, that number two thing, is that you're communicating with other people that have some experience and then maybe you learn. This is what a group does. So you come in, you will confess what you're thinking, what the way you're going, the way you're looking at things, and then they will say, well, have you ever thought about this? And they start approaching each other's problems to try to find out what the solution is. So that's part of that critical thinking. Uh, so what are the critical thinking skills? That If you look, you can go look these things up. And so I want to relate some of these to kingdom thinking. Uh, 
one of the things that a critical thinker does is he understands the link between ideas. The, things are linked. They're connected. The guy who has lost two feet already to his diabetes doesn't do anything about improving his diet. Doesn't do anything about improving exercise. He's on disability. He's getting a check. Oh, now I've got two legs cut off. I still want to eat what I want to eat. I knew a guy who was going in for cancer treatment and he brought his motor home and parked it outside of the hospital because he didn't want to stop smoking while he was doing his cancer treatment. Well, some people you just can't help. You can't fix stupid. You know, what was that quote from Einstein? <laughs> Albert Einstein, the majority of the stupid is invincible. And guaranteed for all time. Well, Jesus said something along those lines. The poor you will have with you always. Why are they poor? Well, a variety of reasons. But some people are poor because they're irresponsible. They're selfish. They get some money and they spend it on themselves right away. They waste it. They squander it. They can't save money. And just like that guy couldn't save his legs. If he had changed his diet, he probably could have saved his legs. He didn't care. The doctors will fix me. He makes tyrants of them. Number two here in critical thinking skills, not only should you have the ability to see the link between ideas, see how they're connected... You know, that's one of the things in IQs is that they show you a, a series of objects and they say, which of these don't belong? And some of the objects are very complex. It's not just shapes, but colors and black and white. And and you say, well, this one has this and this one has this and this one has this, but this one doesn't have any of those characteristics. So this really doesn't belong. And if you're good at that, they say you have a high IQ. And they say you can't change your IQ, but actually you can. You can learn critical thinking. With practice, you can raise your IQ. And with repentance, you can raise your IQ. Because this is what I'm saying, is you're not only going to see things more clearly in present tense, you will have new eyes. You will see what others cannot see. But, it only comes when you are a doer of the word. The modern churches are constantly saying, oh, there's nothing you have to do. Christ said there was. You have to be a doer of the word. You have to keep the commandments. He's saying all these things. Paul said the same thing. Yeah, he said believe, but his term believe compelled action. He says very clearly that if you're anybody, you know, the uh, backbiters and gossipers and uh, fornicators and he has this big long list of all these things that if you're any of those things you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God all based on what you're doing but you say what you're doing doesn't matter you just have to believe because you've changed the meaning of believe into what you think belief is what is written in you and compelling your actions it will also compel your thoughts so anyway, you need to be a doer. You will you will be able to understand the links between ideas as you are a doer. We study the problem. We have a this part that keeps breaking and 
So why is it? Where's the stress? What what do we need to strengthen it so that because there's a lot of things. This is down in an area of the machinery where there's a lot of stuff going on. Everything's bolted together. Dog bones is welded assemblies, lever arms. All these things are there, and they have to work really fast and really together and very uh, under a great deal of stress. It kept breaking. Is it a vibration? What What is causing it to break? Well, there are a variety of things. And we worked down that whole assembly, and we improved up here, and we improved here, and now we have to improve. Because we used to have all kinds of things break. Now... We, we don't have as much. Hopefully, it's not going to break till the end of the season. <laughs> I mean, you're dealing with 50-year-old machinery, but still, to us, we had to see all these different things that are going on there and see how they're connected and and solve the problem because there's too much stress here, too much, you know, not enough support here. So anyway, that you have to do the same thing with your life. So you see the links, you know, what that man was eating was destroying his circulation in his food. But he doesn't have any knowledge of diet to fix the problem. But he doesn't want that knowledge. God wants you to have knowledge that you use it wisely, but you need to eat of the tree of life. And that means the spirit of caring about others. This is why if we had that home... And there were some young people in it, maybe studying or on-the-job training or whatever. They would be also responsible for taking care of the elderly, the infirm people that were there. You have to have supervision. But the idea is you're not just here. You have to get up in the morning and care about somebody else. It's part of the program. Because it's going to raise your IQ. When you care about others and you put that care into action, it will allow you to see the links between things, how they're connected. It will, it will open up your mind. So number two is determine the importance and relevance of arguments and ideas. Well, that's a little bit back to the understanding the links. So, because you have to understand the relevance of a particular idea. If I just give you facts, that's not going to make right reason. You have to have the facts and put a value on those facts. Because you can say, well, this is this, and this is this, and this is this. And over here, it's like the guy who went down and he made a list of pros and cons. And there was this big, long list of pros. Almost no and cons. He says, see... Well, uh, obviously the pros win. Except over here in the cons, you're going to die. <laughs> That's one of the bad things. You know, it's like the prescriptions. You know, may cause bleeding, then ulcers, and death. And you say, well, well maybe I don't want to take this stuff. So you have to have the values put together. See, like they say, you get a polio vaccine, you get immunity. Well, you get a temporary immunity. And it may actually weaken your immune system. If you, 90% of the people who are exposed, 95% of the people who are exposed to the virus and got lifetime immunity because they were exposed to the virus never produced a single symptoms. But they had lifetime immunity. 
There was only a small portion that actually got sick, and most of them got well with no long-term paralysis. So, the question is, what went wrong in the immune system of those few people who did get paralyzed? What what was wrong with their immune system? All these other people got well, got immune naturally. What was wrong with their immune system that they were in a weakened state? Could be a variety of answers. But if you're already going to assume that there is no solution, you're not going to find the solution. And then you have to start putting values on the information you know. Determine the importance and relevance of different ideas and arguments and facts. Number three, recognize, build, and appraise arguments. So, if there's an argument for this or for that, you have to have to build on that argument and find out, does it really fit and appraise the value of that argument? So, again, actually, both these things are placing values on information. It's just looking at it from a little bit different way. And the guy who wrote the original article, he gave these six things that are skills. And they're kind of overlapping. And number four, identify inconsistencies and errors in reasoning. In other words, you thought this had a certain value of this fact. Does it really? Well, sometimes this is where experiment comes in. You say, well, you know, uh, I was sick and I drank this and I got better. But maybe you were going to get better anyway. You didn't need to drink that. You you have to have you have to test with numerous people and say, well, this guy got better and this guy didn't get better. Why was this guy getting better and this one not getting better? You have to be critical. You know, you, you weld this machinery together. I welded this together and then a a bolt broke and then it it broke again. Well, did the bolt break because it was already breaking? Because it wasn't lined up, you know, what was the problem? This is one of the things that I cut the key in hole in a particular spot. I'm thinking I probably needed to go over does it get just a tiny little millimeter distance and where you cut that key could make a big difference down at the end of the reciprocating blade. So you have to know what you're doing and so you have to See the relevance of all these things. Well, the same in your diet. Same in your spirituality. Why can't you see certain things? Why can't you see, read the signs of the time? Jesus talks about that. You can look in the weather and you can see the signs of the time. How come you can't see that the Messiah is here? You know, how can you, how come you can't see the corruption in your society? You don't have enough facts? No. It's because you're not immersed in right reason. Right reason is divine will. If you're not doing Christ's will, you're not going to have right reason. Go back to that uh, Ronald Reagan quote about virtue. You have to have virtue. It changes you. Just the same as uh, Polybius saying, living at the expense of others changes you 
laying down your life for others, sacrificing for others, uh, gathering together because you care about others, that will change you too. And that you will develop skills that you didn't even know you had. All these things you shall do and greater things than these you shall also do. So, that's part of that building. Identify, number four, identify inconsistencies and errors in reasoning. That requires humility. You you reason this out and you say, oh, you know, that didn't work. You know, this is the third time we fixed this machine. <laughs> but uh, not always exactly the same thing. Actually, probably you consider everything on that side. We probably fixed it four or five times in the swather we had before, which was even older. We had trouble with that. It was a different design. We had trouble with that side. But we had to be willing to look and identify inconsistencies and errors in our reasoning. We thought this would work. No, that doesn't work. Number five, approach problems in a consistent and systematic way. You know, and you, you should have seen when I finally was going to do this. You know, I brought out a wire welder and I wire welded the first time and that didn't work. Uh, it worked for a little while, but it didn't work long enough. I mowed an entire field and was halfway through the other field and it, it broke. So now this time I bring out the arc welder and I have a, a wheeled cart and I put that in there and I, I got all organized, all the tools, and I got a little tray out there, and I laid out the tools and everything. I ordered the mask. It'll be here Friday, but I already got it welded up. But uh, uh, I got more organized. So approach the problem in a consistent and systematic way. So if you are having health issues, maybe you've got cancer, and they give you six months to live, well, you got nothing to lose. Come out and vacation here and we'll change your diet and we'll pray with you and, uh, you know, you go swimming in the, the, the pool. Uh, yeah, we, oh, we're doing this cheap. We didn't put in a big pool, but somebody gave me a gigantic tomato bin. I set it up near one of the artesian wells and the water flows into that. Well, uh, that's our pool. Uh, it's way out in the middle of the desert. Um, I want to put a little building there where you can rest and listen to the water and then go take a dip in the water. And, uh, you know, just changing your environment so you can look at things from a different point of view. Recognize and build and appraise what's going on in your life. Identify inconsistencies and errors in your reasoning. Because what was... What you were doing before hasn't been working. So let's try something different. Let's try Christ. Let's try the way of Christ. Number five, like I said, is approach the problem in a consistent and systematic way. And number six, reflect on the justification of their own assumptions, beliefs, and values. Well, that's huge. And I'm, this is just somebody else put these together. So, I didn't read these. Reflect on the justification of their own assumptions, beliefs, and values. Well, we're always questioning that. But we'll have to continue this at another time. So, uh, because we're out of time. 
But until then, peace on your house, and may God be with you. If you want to know more, join the network. Go to preparingyou.com. Go to hisholychurch.org. Join the network. Then join the Living Network by becoming a part of a congregation. And then we'll take it from there. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.